Ron and Anian. We are changing the way we approach cars, both in their design and the way we think about them. The Car Doctor. How are we going to drive at night? It's basically an electric car, and then you have a generation system on top of the car. So you have your solar cells on top. So as your battery technology continues to advance, you know, you're going to be seeing larger and larger range out of a vehicle. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, welcome. Start your engines. 855-560-9900. The car doctor's here cooking along. Ron and Annie and the car doctor, the one and only, often imitated, never duplicated. As uh, we sit here to motor out across this great country of ours. I've noticed that. Have you noticed that, that there are a lot of car doctor repair shops in the country now? You know, we've been doing this radio show 26 years, and it was never the name of the shop. But it just, you know, you're the doctor, you're the car doctor, da da da, da, da. That's how the name kind of took 25, 30 years ago. And I've noticed now there's a bunch of car doctor auto repair. You start driving around on vacation, and all of a sudden you see, you know, the car doctor or the car doctor auto or... You always wonder, did I create that? And I hate to make it sound, yes, Tom. They say it's the sincerest form of flattery. Well, uh, you know, Tom, but I just, I wonder. Um, there was a, a car doctor auto repair, I think, out in Seattle, somewhere in the Northwest. And I don't think he was a very good car doctor because, boy, did I get some phone calls and mail about that guy. Uh, and I said, no, you're on the wrong side of the country. It's um, completely opposite. And no, it's that he is not I and I is not he. Um, and go away. Uh, go back and yell at the guy that, that took your money, not me. Um, but it's just it's interesting to see. So but anyway, I am here um, this hour, fellas, this hour, we're giving away the Wix 39 Ford. Tony has to stop playing with it. All right. It's time to give it away to a listener. I don't care what you tell me. Okay. All right. So. Yeah. All right. Good. We're in agreement. So we're giving away a Wix 39 Ford hot rod this hour, um, the 118th scale model of the uh, car that Henry Ford made famous. It is a period pa- period correct black paint job, custom cream red scallops in each fender, color coordinated red interior, detailed Ford flathead engine. Just a real nice collectible piece. And uh, we're going to be giving that away this hour. Uh, we'll let the promo run once more because these guys do a better job of describing it than I do. Um, I will give them that. They did a very nice spot for it this week. And uh, find more out about the car as well as Wix Filters, the sponsor of it out at WixFilters.com. And uh, you know how much we love Wix Filters. We love Wix Filters. Let's uh, get back to Walt from Maui. We're kind of flying off the handle here or flying by the seat of our pants. Walter, you're still there. We held you over from the last hour. I've done that twice now in the last yes, two I months. Am. Cars must be getting more complicated. I have to hold people over from the top of the hour. Um, so here's the deal, Walt. You got your wiring diagram in front of you by chance? Yes, I do. Okay. Look at the wiring diagram. If, if I recall correctly, about middle of the page, they talk about the central control module. Uh, yeah, well, it's towards the bottom. Yeah, yes, okay. they do. All right. And then there was a gray-black wire there, Correct. Coming, yeah. off, coming off the one side of the uh, central control module. That is the output yeah. feed from the control module to ground the courtesy lamp relay. You see how that goes up and feeds that? Yes, I do. All right. If and you that, were, that relay it, is for both left and right. Right, correct. According to the diagram. Right. 
So if we were to, in theory, disconnect that gray-black from the control module, all right, and provide a ground to energize the relay, the light should come on, correct? Yes. Okay, have you tried that? No. All right. So I think where you've got to go is, does the circuit work? And I'm pretty sure this will will work, but watch where I'm going with this. Um, This should work. You ground that gray-black. Disconnect it from the module. I don't want to hurt the module. All right? And find a place where you can snip it. I snip wires all the time. I just do it in a nice spot where I can solder it back up and heat shrink it, and nobody will know the difference. All right? But snip that gray-black. Ground that gray-black. If that gray, if that relay's got hot coming in off that fuse, that I believe is in that circuit, which it is, right? Look at the diagram. What does it tell you? Yeah, thirty-eight fuse number thirty-eight. Okay, if that fuse is good, then both courtesy lamps should light. Agreed. Uh, I am a little bit confused because if you snip that wire, that's. Oh, no, I'm sorry. The power comes from the the red-black. Right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yes, I right. do agree, Ron. Right. So if, if we at least we prove from the, from the central control module out the circuit works and it's capable of functioning. Right? Yes. We're in agreement? Yes. Okay. Yes. So then we, we know that's good. Then go to the central control module. All right? After you solder your wire back together, go to your central control module. Take your right door input. If I recall, there's two inputs to that control module, a left and a right door, right? That's correct. Ground that right door. the door jar switches. Right. Ground the right door input. The right side should come on. If you ground that left side input and the door and the light doesn't come on, I think you got a bad control module. I don't see anything else it can be. Yeah. Right? Well, you know... Without doing all the diagnosis, that's what I was thinking also. Right. And the reason I was thinking that is that is the hardest part to get to conceivable on the whole car. Well, yeah, <laughs> but we never... the instrument panel, behind the steering column. Of course. It would almost be as easy to change the wires and the uh, spark plugs. Walter, I didn't become a mechanic because I thought it was going to be easy. I, you know, it's, it's, and I can almost guarantee you that's going to be the problem that's bad, the part that's bad, because it is the hardest thing to get to. All right? Yeah, I, from the start, I figured that had to be it. That door switch was way too easy to replace. Right. But, but here's the diagnosis. Here's a diagnosis that can't miss. Right? And, and, and that'll, and that'll do it for you. All right? Um, same purpose. You know, same purpose. I mean, that's that's really what that does. You can do the same thing. You can go out and work through the hatch ajar. If I remember, there's a hatch ajar signal there, and you can learn how this yeah, module right. works, right? But at this point... But they all come out of the control module. Right. They all come out of the control module, all right? And, and here's the catch. The way that module knows to turn on... Um, the 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 left signal or the right. Now wait a minute. Let me back up a second here. How does it know? Okay. Well, when you open the left door, both lights have to come on. When you open the right door, both lights have to come on. Correct. Correct. Okay. That's how it knows. That's and how it the reacts. Switch provides the ground. Right. And the switch provides the ground. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, got me a little confused there for a second, Walter. So. Yeah, that's Welcome that's how to you're going to know. It's got to work from the left input. If it doesn't work from the left input and you've proved everything else to work, 
then you've got a bad you've got a bad control module. All right. I hate that. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> now I, I can I can tell you yeah. something that'll make you I happier. Have... Ten years later, okay. by 2005, we can do all this with a scan tool. We don't need to do half this stuff. <laughs> the scan the scan tool will turn the lights on and off and 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 do all the inputs and all the requests and um, everything else. So unfortunately, brother, that's where you got to go now. If you want well, to get somebody, the part is that I had. No, I was just going to say that I, I'm anal retentive. I've got to have everything work on the Corvette. No, I get it. Now, listen. If if you would just at least fly us out there and put us up for what do you want? Two weeks in Hawaii, boys. Tony says he'll take two <laughs> weeks. He wants to work on his tan, and we can we can we'll be glad. It'll only take us it'll probably take us two three weeks to fix this car. I'm sure. Um, might take us longer. Well, everything if you, else works good. Uh, well, you never know what we're going to break along the way. But uh, that's, oh, that's yeah, how I, I, I know that feeling, yeah, too. It's, you know. Hey, listen, I'll tell you what. The biggest problem facing car repairs of the future is after that car is three, four years old, all the little plastic and clips and all the things that you try not to break and you mm-hmm. touch it. I had to put a – and then I'm going to go after this, Walter. I had to put a power door lock actuator in a 2002 Ford Thunderbird this week. And it's it's not that it's any different. It's, to me, it's a car is a car, but you know, it's a it's a T bird, man. It's 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 cool. It's different. You got to be a little yeah, they are cool. Little TLC, right? I I take I'm taking the door panel off. I I lift out the little rubber pad. I put the Phillips screwdriver on top of the screw and I turn it, and the whole thing falls right in the door. I didn't even put any weight on it, and I just sat there looking, going, "Where the hell did it go?" The guy who took it apart before me, the body shop. Just snockered it back together. Snockered is a technical term. It's an industry standard. And it just, it. they, they you know, I had to take the door panel apart, and I found all the pieces, and I epoxied it back together. And, you know, that's, you know, the car was talking to me afterwards. It was happy. I fixed its soul. But, you know, I'm my... I'm glad that stuff happens so professional tech, because that kind of stuff happens to me all the time, and nah. I think it's because I'm inept. Listen, and you're probably just as professional as the rest of us because you're as professional as me because I guarantee you, you would have fixed it just like I did. That's what makes the professional. <laughs> you know what? Any idiot can break something. One last Fixing thing, it's a whole other story. Yes, sir. The egg came first. It came from the reptiles. Is that what happened? Well, yeah, well, then the chickens. Well, sounds like a conversation to be had on a... Uh, on a, on, a, on, a, on a Hawaiian beach late at night watching the sunset over a couple of adult beverages. Walter, i got to go. I'm running late. Um, you replace your central control module, and when you get done, call me next year. 855-560-9900. The car doctor's coming right back. Don't go away. Hey, welcome back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, rolling along this hour, talking about cars and everything else. At eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Always fun to talk to Walt. Walt's been a long time radio show uh, listener, and uh, we appreciate him being there and uh, taking part in all this. And um, we want to go to Hawaii, Walter. Please bring us out there on remote. We think it would be nice. And um, I promised Tony. I took Tony to Vegas two years ago, and now I'm going to take him to Hawaii. That's going to be next. Um, so it's interesting. Someone sent me an article, and I forget where this came from. I think maybe this came from. Um, uh, let's see, this came from uh, Richard Smith up there in uh, Glastonboro, Connecticut, about Carl Icahn. Carl Icahn is raising his bet that Americans won't fix their own cars and that eventually might not even own one. Mr. Icahn has spent the past few years making deals aimed at his extending his automotive service network nationwide as increasingly complex cars have their owners relying more on professionals for repairs. This is an article out of the Wall Street Journal. 
business and finance section about three weeks ago. Um, and it basically talks about how Mr. Icon's, Icon's goal is to build a company with nationwide reach that can make, sell, and install parts. Having recently bought parts and repair chains, Pep Boys, and Just Brakes, as well as Auto Parts Distributors, Auto Plus. He also took parts maker Federal Mogul Private earlier this year after owning a significant stake for a decade. Here's what I think is going to go wrong here. All right. Um, you know, trying to standardize auto repair is difficult because one of the problems is it takes talent and Glassberry. Tom's telling me not Glassboro. Sorry, Tom. It's Glassberry, Connecticut. My apologies. Um, I couldn't read here in the dark. It's dark in the studio. They don't give me enough light. And one of the problems with auto repair is it takes talent to do it. Yeah, you know what? You can standardize it, and you can try and do it like a chain store, for lack of no other way to say it. And it works, the generic everyday stuff. The problem is the generic everyday stuff is going away, and the unique problems that cars create are becoming more commonplace, and it takes some skill, it takes some thought, and it takes a lot of effort. And I don't know that a a goal like this, a national service network, such as this, is going to last long term. I see cars downgrading, in a sense, in terms of the problems are going to either be simple or complicated. There's going to be nothing in the middle anymore. And maybe they can do the simple with this kind of an idea. But when people have the complicated and they need complicated, I don't see them being very happy. Somebody was telling me just the other day that some of the chain stores are no longer servicing the new refrigerant. We have ne- we really haven't talked about that here on the show, but one two three four CYF refrigerant, the new style refrigerant that's out in certain cars and coming out more and more. Certain car companies, certain chains, such as what Mister Icon is, is uh, Icon Icon, whatever his name is, um, is talking about here. Carl, we'll call him Carl, um, is talking about here. They're not dealing with certain things like that because of the cost factor. And that's the problem. When you start to run a repair shop to this level and you take the personalization out of it, some people are looking for it. I think you become like a customer at the deli counter and you're just a number. And I don't think going forward people are looking for that. I think people want to be a name in a repair shop environment, Um, at least the ones I want to work for. You know what? I want to work for people that they, you know, I know their name. I know what the car is. And um I know what's going on because I think that that um, cars are a very personal thing, and I don't know that we're going to get away from that anytime soon. I agree with the article where it says cars are going to be very costly to own. Yeah, I get that, and um, they're going to be very difficult to repair. I get that. I live that every day, but taking the personalization out of it, don't think you can do it. Let's get over and talk to Mike, Danella, New Jersey, and uh, Mike's got some comments on uh, a recent article in Motor Week. Michael, welcome back to the hey, car, doctor, sir. How are you today? Good yes, sir. To talk to you again. Yes, sir. What's going on? Uh, one comment, if I can, about the Icon article. Yeah. Uh, that, it's it's okay if you want to do a you know quick oil change or something like that. But I think for a personalized service, you got to come to guys like you, who really care and who want to put the time and the effort and the fact that you want to get to know the customer. Well, and I think I think the time and the effort thing is 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 a big part of it. You know, I just looked at. And and I don't know that I'm going to go to it yet, but I'm 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 doing some automation in the shop. I'm making some software changes and adds add add-ons to my Mitchell Manager program. And one of the one of the add-ons I looked at is a digital checklist that will allow me to take inspections. You know, so I'm doing a checklist on a car. I can take pictures and I can send you, hey Michael, here's what your air filter looks like. Here's what your water pump leaking looks like. You know that kind of thing. 
I don't I think know. it's a good idea. I, I, I think, think it's a good idea to a degree. But I think if I said to you, hey, Michael, here's what this looks like, I think you're going to say, Ron, I really don't care. You're my mechanic, and I trust you because I have a relationship with you. Agreed. And, Agreed. And, 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 and most people don't even know the uh, right from the hood, from the trunk of the car, right. so we won't even go there. And I think maybe in the chain stores, something like that works because they don't get to talk to the tech that's actually working on it, and that's what makes people nervous. Well, you know what? A good point about that is, and then I'll get to my point. If you go to some of these, uh, um, I don't know what you would call them, chain stores, I guess, and they say, oh, you have this is bad and that's bad and the other thing's bad. Uh, like one particular store sees a pair of weak struts and they say, oh, your, your bearings have to be replaced. Your ball joints are shot, too. And they stack up about $490,000 worth of repair. And you have no way of proving it. This would be a good way of doing that. Yes, absolutely. Um, but, but, uh, but, but I will tell you this, Michael, and I'll let you go on to your point, in that, you know what, I see less and less strut, exhaust, and general maintenance each and every I, I year. I understand. It's, it's getting to be less and less and less. To your point, sir. My point is I was reading an article in uh, Motor Week, and Pat Goss is their mechanic, and he puts a little section in uh, his uh, thing every week I get on a newsletter. And last week I found the interesting point of a catalytic converter that's destroying itself from the inside and pieces of it fracture and they may end up in your engine. And uh, some people do not check that light when the light comes on and says your cat is bad. So they may have a pre-cat up near the manifold and catalytic converters in the back too. So when they disintegrate, some of the stuff gets sucked in, and and if they don't check it in time, pieces of the uh, innards go into your engine and may destroy pistons and stuff like that. Valve. Right, and I think I think the vehicles you're referencing, Michael, are the Nissans. Nissan had that problem. A couple other manufacturers have had that problem. Um, you know, the issues are it's all about exhaust reversion and how the catalytic converters break up. But keep in mind, catalytic converters break up. Sometimes it's because of age, but sometimes it's also because of engine operating conditions, which is why it's so important to take real good care of the engine. Appreciate the call. I'm Ron Naney, the car doctor. We are back right after this. Ron and Andy, the car doctor here, 855-560-9900. Let's get over and talk to, let's go talk to Larry, Lewiston, Idaho. Larry, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Thank you, Ron. Uh, been listening for a while. Enjoy your program. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Hey, I've got a 1995 Ford F350. It's a 7.3 turbo diesel. Right, power drive. stroke, yep. Yes. And you've been talking about the launch tech code readers yeah i i was wondering if most of the code readers that i'm i'm i've been looking at says 96 and newer right and i didn't know whether or not it's got the obd2 hookup under my dash for this 95 i didn't know if they were compatible with the, the 95 or not the answer is definite maybe Yes. Um, 95, 95 and 96 are the uh-huh. really tough years on anything vehicle manufacturer. Uh, okay. It doesn't matter with diesel, gas, go-kart, you know, 
um, whatever it is. And, you know, if, if, if 95, 95 was the crossover year, 96 was, you know, sort of like the stepchild and a half twice removed. Uh, you're, never, you're never quite sure what's going to be there. You know, what's OBD2, what's OBD1. Uh, so the first thing you've got to do is figure out what, what that operating system is. So, you know, if you look under the dash and you see an OBD2 connector, that doesn't necessarily mean that the truck is OBD2. What you've, okay. what you've really got to do, because some of those were some of the vehicles I found. You know, originally that OBD2 connector was, was you know, ALDL, assembly line diagnostic link. It was used to assemble the truck, you know, when the manufacturer put it together. So, you know, it may have an ALDL or an OBD2 link, as we now call it, but it, it doesn't do anything other than something for the manufacturer on assembly. Sometimes it's there as a true OBD2 connector. So, you know, and you'll look around the engine compartment, and maybe on the left or right side you'll see the red connector shaped like a um, like half an octagon, I think is a good way to describe it. Uh, it's got the chamfered edges, and that would be the Ford Eek 1 or the Ford Eek 4 first OBD, say here's where we go, uh, Ford Eek 4 OBD 1 style connector. All right, but the best way to tell what a vehicle has on it is, what does the underhood emission decal say? And if you if your vehicle still has the underhood emission decal, you know, lift the hood, that white label, uh-huh. read it. What does that say? Okay. That should tell awesome. you this vehicle complies with federal EPA mandate, blah, 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 blah. And it will probably say OBD1 or OBD2, or at least give you a reference. Or somewhere on the vehicle, there will be a calibration code that corresponds to, okay, this correlation means that this vehicle is one or two. Okay. All right. So, you know, it's 95 and 96. I've never found an absolution in Uh terms of, you know, what's right and what's not. I've had two 95s. One was early, one was late. One had it, one didn't. Sure. You know, and and you get into that. Uh, You know, if you determine that your vehicle is OBD2, would I look at launch? Yeah, I'd look at launch. I'd probably look because the vehicle is old enough. All right, and here's what you have to remember, all right? Not knock and launch. I like the tool, all right? right? But their focus is, you know, let me say it like this. Do you think launch and snap-on and OTC, do you think their focus is going to be on 95 F-350s or on 2017, 2018, 2019s going forward? You know, there's going to be more of those on the road than 95 F-350, 7.3 Power Stroke diesels. Exactly. So, and, and I guess my my second question to it, uh, Ron, is I have an 04 Explorer with a 4.6 and an 01 one F150 with a 5.4, and so I was kind of looking before I purchased one to make sure that what I purchased is compatible, right? You know, to the older, um, right? Like I say, I guess the 0116 and then the 04 is. Uh, 13 years old, so... So you've got a 16, an 01, and a 95. I've got a 95, an 04, and an 01. Oh, okay. Okay, gotcha. So why don't we, before we do anything, why don't we get up on eBay and okay. and look and see what's available, come up with a price range, 1000 bucks, 500 bucks, and see what a repair shop might be getting rid of. You know, maybe they've got a used... Modus or a, a used OTC Genesis or maybe, you know, something that doesn't necessarily fit their needs because the older population is dying off, 
in terms of cars, and they're trying to, you know, something new. I mean, listen, I'm trying to clear out shelf space all the time at the shop. Sure. Uh, you know, and it, it becomes a case of, uh, um, you know, you find that, that, that older tool, you put it out on eBay, you get rid of it, and then uh, pick up the newer one, and, and maybe that'll solve the problem for you. But, uh, but first things first, you got to find out what, you know, what your system is, and that's your first piece of homework. Okay. All right, sir. Well, thank you so much. Right, I'll tell you what, Larry, sit on the phone. Tom just gave me the thumbs up. Tom, would you uh, go ahead? Yes, Larry, we're going to be sending out the 39 Ford from the folks at Wix to you. We figure you can add that to your collection. This way you can have four cars, but you can only drive right. in three of them. Um, it's thank a, you. You're very welcome, sir. It's a 118th scale 39 Ford Coupe. Um, uh, a very nice piece, a very nice collectible from the folks at Wix. Keep in mind, for 75 years, Wix is protecting engines and uh, going forward, and we want to thank them for that. We want to thank them for making this little hot rod car available. More information at WixFilters.com. Larry, you enjoy your car. Stay on the line and talk to Tom. Let's get over to Allen in La Crosse, Wisconsin, 2012 GMC Canyon, and uh, questions on a security system. Allen, welcome to the car, Dr. Sir. How can I help? Well, I'm great. Uh, I have a problem with uh, the security system. Uh, on my uh, 2012 uh, Canyon, okay. uh, it, uh, periodically will not start. The vehicle will not start, and I le- I'm led to believe it's the security system. I went through and did a test on the security system. You know, manually opening the door uh, window up, uh, arming the the system with the remote, and then opening the door with uh, opening the lock up first on the inside and then opening the door, the horn sounds. The vehicle will not start. But my problem is uh, occasionally I will get in the vehicle after opening it up with a remote uh, or the the doors are not even locked. Uh, I was sitting in my driveway or, you know, uh, at the grocery store, you know, I just ran in for something. I didn't lock the vehicle up and I'll jump in the vehicle and it won't start. Uh, the horn does not go off like the security system engages, but the um, the light on the instrument panel uh, tells me that the the anti theft system has been triggered. Okay. Um, and it even with the factory key, um, it doesn't start. Has you anybody? Know, I've had that happen time after time, and it always happens when I'm kind of in a hurry when I'm jumping in quick. Right. And I I can't figure out why it's doing it. Any 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 um, uh, trouble codes? Has anybody scanned this at all? Yeah. Uh, yes, there's been a scan, but there there's no codes that came up. Okay. Um, and when, uh, when they scan the, it, I've had it into three dealers. All right. And uh, all all three dealers, you know, uh, they brought it down to well that. At first, because I bought the vehicle used, uh, well, it must be the battery. Well, then, you know, we put a new battery in, and the battery actually yeah, tested no, good. No. But they insisted putting a new battery in at the next dealership. Uh, then it was the starter. <laughs> and, you know. Um, no. It, no, no, no. N- no, no, no. Listen. Um, the, the next time it happens, what I'm, what I'm looking for is, I'm looking for a code B as in boy 0687. All right, which is a fault in the body computer. So that's my other question. When they scan this, are they looking? Okay, the, what was the code again? Uh, I'm, I'm betting there's going to be a B as in boy 0687, which is a fault in the security system circuit. Okay. All right, and I'm questioning 
when they did the code scan, did they look in the PCM, meaning the powertrain control module? Did they look just with OBD2 as far as a scanner? or did OBD2 they do it? only. OBD2 yeah, only. Only OBD2. You'll never see it. Absolutely never see it. Okay. All right. Um, the best way, and I'm going to, I just want to revisit this real quick. The difference between OBD2 and General Motors software, all right? There's, there's two operating systems in every car, just like there's two operating systems on your car, on your desktop computer. You might have Windows 10. That's your operating system. That's General Motors software, all right? But Norton antivirus yep. or, or you know, AVG antivirus, that's OBD2. The antivirus or the, the, the OBD2 is watching the manufacturer's software to tell us when something is out of compliance with emissions, if the emissions are too high. All right? That's what the federal law okay. states, when federal emissions exceed one and a half times the legal limit. Long story short. If the car doesn't start, are the emissions going to exceed one and a half times the legal limit? No, right? Because it's not putting out anything. So they don't need to have any information in OBD2, hey, Alan's car didn't start. That information is going to be under manufacturer-specific. That's going to be in the BCM, all right? It's it's coming yeah. down to, you know, and the older we get, we're supposed to go to the doctor and get a physical once a year, right? It's coming down to where once a year, every car needs a full system scan on the manufacturer software side to look at everything. I'm willing to bet there's okay. going to be a B as in boy 0687 in this car. That tells me that somewhere along the way, the theft deterrent module didn't agree and didn't send proper signal to the PCM, the powertrain control module. If you can catch this in the act using a, using a proper scan tool, you want to look at a, a PID, a piece of information called crank request, all right? In other words, did the PCM request yes or no crank? If it says no, um, then chances are doing a logic reset, disconnecting the battery and things like that may help the situation temporarily. But if it happens on a continuous basis there may be a problem with the FEMP deterrent control module itself. Um, last piece of information, make sure this vehicle is flashed to the latest software, meaning all the operating modules have the latest software as per the manufacturer, just to eliminate the possibility of a software glitch causing this as well. All right, sir? Okay. Yep. And would that have anything to do with the door locks uh, malfunctioning? Could because very they, well. Yes, sir. Uh, you know. Yeah. All this is all it, this is tied together through the security system. Absolutely. Okay. Because right. I've had a problem with the door locks. Right. On, so on the system. Let's where take. Let's take. They, let's they take them prematurely lock. Right. Well, let's take them one step at a time. Before we, you know, if the theft if the theft module has a fault and that's what's locking the vehicle, then yeah, that will. That will do it for you. But let's, one step at a time, let's get a system scan, all the modules, and then give me a call back next week if you find something. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy, The Car Doctor, will be back right after this. Hey, welcome back. Ron and Andy, The Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. By the way, that is The Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number. I should point that out. And uh, make you aware that that phone number, if you call 855-560-9900, Tom Ray, our executive producer, our illustrious 
executive producer, who, by the way, appreciates lunch each and every day and never complains about the sandwich that I give him. It's very refreshing. And we'll actually call you back and get you in lineup in queue for next week's live broadcast. Yes, Tom? You may uh, kiss the ring after the show. Well, I appreciate it, sir. It's, um, you do a heck of a job each and every week. By the way, last week when you swept up, you missed the spot. Um, so anyway, that's what 855-560-9900 is all about. Um, real quick, so, you know, over the years, this radio show has been accused of being too technical and too over the top and too difficult to understand at times. And I get that. All right. That's what auto repair is. So I'm going to gently try to start talking about the next topic and see if we can generate some interest and maybe some basic level. And I'll try and keep this simple. I want to talk about volumetric efficiency. Volumetric efficiency is a measurement of here. Let me see if I can give you an example. Tony, pick up the mic. All right. Tony. Yes. Breathe in. Okay. If we could measure how much air and Tony's a big guy. If we could measure how much air Tony could draw in, we would be measuring his volumetric efficiency. All right. The fact that he's a big Barry White looking guy, it's, you know, that's okay too, because he's kind of cute. So the purpose of volumetric efficiency testing is to determine is the fault that the vehicle is having, is it mechanical, is it fuel-related, is it ignition, where's the problem? A couple of things that you're going to look at with your scan tool. I'm going to post this formula up on Facebook. I've got to get permission from the folks over at Bosch, and I know they'll give it to me, so I'm going to stick my neck out and say, we'll put this up on Facebook. Basically, we need to look at mass airflow in grams per second. We want to look at intake air temp. We want to look at RPM. All right. And we want to have the ability to make sure we want to make sure the engine's at operating speed. We've got to find an area to do a road test. And basically, you're going to go and do a wide open throttle road test, deserted road, somewhere on the side, someplace, you know, not near anybody. And you're going to actually measure where your calculated load goes in terms of volumetric efficiency. You should see 75 to 90 percent. 75 is low. Some of the testing I've been doing of late. Gives me most a good engine, known good, 85 to 90%. Once in a while, you get one at 100%. Um, we had a vehicle the other day with a uh, restricted exhaust that led us to uh, some very interesting results. Let's pull over and take a pause, 855-560-9900. We'll be back right after this. Hey, welcome back. We're on the car doctor. Let's real quick get into it. Let's go over to Clydesdale in Michigan um, and see what's going on. i got about 45 seconds, Clyde. What's going on? Got, uh, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready, sir. Yeah, I got a uh, time uh, uh, 1998 Toyota Camry 2.2. Right. right. The time, the timing sprocket. They don't have a mark on the time of those sprockets. Well, went to the crankshaft. Um, yeah, it does. If you look on the outer face of the crank, it's a real fine mark. It's almost like a hacksaw blade mark. All right, like it's 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 not easy to see a real thin mark. Look for the keyway and look at about the one uh, thirty mark, or I'm sorry, the two o'clock mark opposite the keyway. There'll be a real tiny slot there, a little bit bigger than the other, but it's there. Clean away the dirt, and I'm sure you'll see it. That's all I got time for. I'm running in the car doctor. Good mechanics aren't expensive; they're priceless. See you. 